Amen. Well, all right, we are in week number four of our series, Past Love, as we are walking through all six of our values uh, for one church. And um, I don't know about you guys, I've enjoyed uh, teaching and learning myself uh, so far up to this point. I hope that you have as well. Um, remember, we are going through this series in hopes uh, that now that, you know, we are at a kind of a turning point as a new church where uh, we've boiled down and many of the spectators have kind of, they've gone and um, we are who we are now and now we're at this stage where we have to make a decision. Either we want to pursue the mission of God together and I don't think there's another option. That's where we are and we're walking through this series in essence to help you better understand and grasp the spirit, the heart, the foundation of this church that we are communicating. And so um, for this uh, series here, that's kind of what we've been going through just to understand it uh, a little bit better. And so today, as you've just seen the video with Nicole, we are talking about diversity. And we didn't want to just speak or preach diversity as we've seen in worship today. We wanted to show it, to demonstrate it. We are a very diverse and gifted congregation. There may not be a whole lot of us, but there are a lot of gifts that's in this room. And we wanted to highlight uh, those today. And so um, you notice that there is someone to my left, to your right. And, um, and we're going to show another form of worship as she is going to paint during the message today. We had Jamie who let us worship man I, I was excited to hear him um, today so really grateful for that guy um, and uh, and Diggs came and he blessed us I, I don't know if it was a poem or a rhyme like I, I felt like he was spitting like that was straight hip-hop did was I the only one who felt like he was rapping yeah yeah he was rapping like he was trying to pull out his uh, his his, uh, his MC skills right there and so um, so that's where we are today we are showing and demonstrating and teaching and learning about diversity uh, so I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've always been a part of a diverse uh, background. Um, I grew up in an area called Russell, right here in the city of Louisville, uh, which is right, uh, it's a part of the West End, uh, but it is also right next door. We were neighbors to Portland. And um, in the area in which I lived, um, it was very diverse. It was black and white, and we didn't spend unless you went so far into either the neighborhood a lot of time worried about who came from where. We had one thing in common. We were all poor. It, it didn't matter the color of your skin. We were all home, hungry. We were all, you know, didn't have the best of clothes. Like, we didn't have time to worry about our differences. We had one thing on our mind, like how were we going to eat? How were we going to survive? And that's one of the things that unified us. And so I grew up, man, uh, uh, for a large part of the time on 19th and Market. Uh, there, uh, Chad Rainberg is here today. You always put in Louisville the number before the street. There is no market in 19th. It is 19th and Market. I grew up on 19th and Market. And on 19th and Market, I, I played with the little boy there uh, all during elementary and uh, the first part of middle school named Harley. His name was Harley David Richardson. Harley David. His parents were bikers. They were they named him after Harley Davidson. He was they were bikers. I loved Harley. Harley was a little redhead boy. Uh, we hung out each and every day. However, I could not even go in Harley's yard. I wasn't allowed to set foot on his property. His parents allowed him to come play with me, but I was not allowed 
to go in Harley's yard. His parents wouldn't allow it because they were comfortable with me playing with their son. They just were not comfortable with me going inside of their house. And I remember, man, just feeling so bad after times when he couldn't come out or something and I'd have to stare at him from the fence. And, um, and I just wanted to play with my friend. I didn't know the reason why until my mom one day told me, well, here's probably the truth as to why uh, he cannot go in Harley's yard. And I remember about nine years old, heartbroken, because I, I, I didn't know that there was a difference there. I mean, I, physically I saw the difference, but we were friends. Like, we hung out. We didn't have video games back. Well, we did. We had the, the Atari uh, 6400. Some of you guys may, may know about that. 30 and over only can understand the Atari 6400. We had that. We played a pole position for hours uh, back in the day. Racing game. You only did one thing. Just went in a circle, which I guess is car racing anyway. Anyway, um, so I, 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 I grew up in kind of that, that context of that understanding, and um, that, that was my life. I played sports. And, um, and I played sports, and when all during school, you know, you're a part of a team. And when you're a part of a team, uh, your teammates are your brothers. They're your friends. And so I grew up, you know, sleeping and spending the night of a friend's homes in all parts of the city. Uh, we were no different. We were, we were friends. We were brothers. We, we fought together. We, we played together. We were a part of the same unit, the same family. But there was only one place in my life that did not resemble diversity, and that was the place in which I worshipped. Um, and I, I didn't understand it as a child. I do know the older that I got, uh, that I would hear words. The more that I began to learn about Jesus, there was a term that made me cringe every time I heard it. Because something in me, I didn't understand the theology behind it, but there was something in me that cringed every time I heard the phrase, black church. I cringed every time thinking about it because I couldn't see in all the scriptures that I read where there was any type of ethnicity that was connected to a church. Because if there's a black church, then that means that there's a white church and there's a Hispanic church and there's an Asian church. But I thought the church was supposed to be this universal idea that Jesus came for. And whenever we attached our ethnic identity, our human issues to it, then I felt like we made it a little dirty. Made it a little dirty. And when you begin to learn a little bit more, and I, I figured out church was a place where it was really voluntary institutionalized segregation. We choose to be divided. We have the opportunities, we have the ability not to be, but we choose to be segregated. It is the only place that exists in these here United States where there is institutionalized segregation. We call it the church. Today, I want to show you that voluntary institutionalized segregation is not scriptural. It's not biblical. It, in fact, goes against everything that Jesus Christ came, led, and died for. So I guess it's been, um, it's been close to two years uh, when Matt Ness and I, we sat down at a coffee shop and we began to uh, dream about this idea called One Church. And uh, I can't believe it's been that long now at this point. And um, 
I remember dreaming and understanding that we were going into something that neither of us was smart enough for, gifted enough for, and we recognized that before we can invite anybody else into this situation, the first challenge upon both of us was to gather and to pray and to ask and seek God's guidance through this. And I remember, I forget which situation it was, where Matt said, uh, he says, I find it quite interesting that the time that God has places on our hearts is at a season where at least during our lifetime, racial unrest is at an all-time high. Like, not in my lifetime has racial unrest been so, so bad. And that was two years ago. It's, it's borderline nuclear at this point, just how difficult and how challenging the issues are within our culture and our society. And we figured either one or two things, either we are stupid or either God is calling us to this. Now, I live in a house full of women. Usually, it's I'm stupid. But uh, in this situation, I recognize that, um, no, this was something that God was definitely calling us to. And I remember Matt and I sitting and talking, and I shared with him, I said, you know, the reality is because of the nature of what we're doing and what we're attempting to do, what we believe in, social justice is going to have to be an imperative for this new church. We, we have to engage in social justice. That word, we've been throwing it around for a few months now, and, and, and it's been misconstrued, misunderstood. In fact, we've actually lost people because of that term. People have left one church because of social justice, largely because I'm for sure they don't know what social justice is. So let me tell you about social justice real quickly, what it means for us for one church. Uh, we didn't just grab it out of the hair, out of the air. It is not social justice for the sake of being social justice according to what we see, where it's just some idea where it's just social justice for the means of being socially aware of what's going on. We were thinking about social justice biblically, which social justice is a biblical idea. And I got a scripture for you. Micah 6 and 8. If you can look at that with me real quickly, this is what the Lord says to the prophet Micah, he has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? God asks and requires us to do justice and to love kindness. That's a command from what does the Lord require to do justice and to love kindness. Simply at our core, this is what we're saying. As followers of Jesus, we are invited to see and interact with everyone, every human being on the planet as though they were our equals. Amen. We value life. This means that when we see suffering, when we see discrimination, when people are lost, when they are hungry, when they are hurting, when they are disadvantaged, if the Lord has required us to do justice and to love kindness, when we see suffering on our planet, it is sinful to not engage it. It is against the will of God when we see people suffering on our planet and we choose to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to that because the Lord requires us to do justice and to love kindness towards all people. That's a, that's a biblical expectation. It's not something that we just came up ourselves, but we, we knew that we would have to engage it. And so this actually speaks to so much of what we're discussing today. And I don't know about you. I don't think I want to be a part of a church 
that can see people who are lost, hurting, pain, uh, in pain, suffering, and decides not to engage them. I, 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 listen, that, that church somebody else can have. I don't want to be a part of the church that can see that take place in people's lives and decide to just go in our own privilege and in privacy and close our doors in comfort and, uh, and just exist. That's the calling of diversity. When we think about diversity, we chose that word diversity for a reason because we didn't want to be limited only to this idea of multi-ethnicity, which what we are. It's what we're aspiring to become, which we are. But we were thinking about uh, not only the idea of multi-ethnicity or race, which I don't like to use the word race because I honestly believe that there's only one race. That's the human race. I don't believe in race. Or, Matter of fact, some of you may have seen uh, us tweet this week uh, our thoughts about racism and the race as it is. And I, I got a, something a, a buddy of mine talked about uh, as we were dealing about thinking about this concept and how race is not something that God created. Um, so this is from buddy Alex. He says this, that philosophically, Race is a construct that doesn't exist in reality. It is an idea that is based on a false understanding of reality. It's kind of like one of those tricks of the eye, he says, where you see two men in a room and one man seems much larger than the other one. Yeah, it's a trick of the eye. When you really pull back and you adjust the lenses or the way that the room is set up, you'll see that the two men are the same exact height. Racism is basically this. It's this idea that has been set up by humanity to make one man look better than the other. But according to God, it does not exist because we are all the same. So racism, it's, it's, not, it's not there. So we will never use the term racist. You often hear me use the terms chocolate and vanilla. Chocolate and vanilla, yeah, we, we don't say black and white. I really don't like those either, chocolate and vanilla. My, my wife is karma macchiato, though. That's, that's who she is. We don't, we don't use those, those terms there. We wanted to use diversity because we wanted to tackle a number of things. We didn't all, only want to tackle multi-ethnicity. We also wanted to tackle differences in socioeconomic status or differences in gender and difference in age. And let me just share this, too. Um, I love the fact that we are a younger congregation, uh, but man, I long for the day when we've got some real good seasoned saints in this church, uh, where we can have some wisdom and some people who've got some a little bit more mileage on their tires. Like I, I like that we're young, we're cool, and all that stuff. But you know, I need some people who's got like old candy and sandwich bags and a purses and you know all those things, big mamas and you know, and our granddaddies and grandpapas, man, who's you know, you know, everything is. Great. I, you know, I just, I long for the day we'll have some age inside of this church, man. It's, that's pretty good. So, um, the idea of diversity that we're going to talk about today, um, we have a biblical basis for it. So, I want you to see specifically what we're talking about when we think about diversity as regards to one church. And so, uh, if you have your devices, your Bibles, or whatever, it'll be for you on the screens. Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to look at verse 14. Um, and this speaks to where we get our diversity from. It says this, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, 
When you read that passage, you cannot understand its significance without understanding what takes place in the preceding verses. This is a wonderful chapter, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, especially verses 1 and 10. We know it so much there. Uh, we hear Paul talking about how we were dead in our transgressions and sins and how we were saved. We were given salvation uh, by grace through faith, through our faith in Jesus Christ. We were all given the ability to experience the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Jesus Christ. We love that, man. It it, it, it rejuvenates us. It frees us because we understand that sin no longer has any control over us. It's one of the greatest verses, our, our set of passages of scriptures that we have. Um, we stop at verse 10 without recognizing the significance between what takes place not only in verses 1 through 10, but what happens in verses 11 through 22. So when Paul was writing this, he didn't write this for us only to take verses 1 through 10 and say, okay, everything is good. The relationship between God and man has been satisfied. It has been, uh, uh, it's been completed like everything is good between us and God. We broke up. We're back together. Everything is well. It does not stop there because you do not have the entirety of the story if you don't recognize what takes place in verses 11 through 22. In verses 1 through 10, what God is saying, what Paul is teaching is the relationship between God and man has been reconciled. God has reconciled humanity into himself. He teaches us that to recognize that since God did that work, not only did he do the work between humanity and himself, but now there's work that needs to take place between humanity and itself. You take verses 1 through 10, it's all about us and God. Verses 11 and 22, now that we've got it together vertically, we've got to get it together horizontally. So Paul says in verse 14 again, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There is so much diversity in Scripture. And, um, and it's amazing that humanity has done such a good job dismantling that which God brought together. Like when you read the scripture and you really begin to understand what's taking place, you'll recognize that all of the figures in the Bible were not the same. They were not monolithic. They were not of one kind. They were different people whom God brought together to birth the church. In fact, Brian Loritz talked about diversity, and he says this uh, regarding the Apostle Paul. He says, when the Apostle Paul goes into a city, he really asks two questions essentially each and every time. The first question that he would ask is, where is your synagogue? Because he wanted to understand or see where do the Jews gather? Where are my Jewish brothers so I can sit and I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? The second question he would ask is, where do the Gentiles gather? Now that I've shared the gospel with the Jews, let me now go share the gospel with the Gentiles. And after he preached the gospel to the Jews and then preached the gospel to the Gentiles, here's what the Apostle Paul did not do. The Apostle Paul did not then plant a church in, a, in the east end for the Jews and plant a church in the west end for the Gentiles. He planted one church where the Jews and the Gentiles gathered together and there they became the church. They tore down the dividing wall of hostility so that they all could recognize that our differences ought not divide us because we have a unifying factor in Jesus Christ that brings us together. Diversity is all throughout Scripture. Here's how you know it's in there. Because there are untold, an unlimited amount of issues that take place. You read about it if you ever read Paul's letters. Here's, here's how you know. Um, number one, look at their names. The names are, are so different. You can tell that these aren't the same thing. You've got Peter, you've got Paul, you've got Aquila and Priscilla. 
You got some differences there. We've got Josh and Matt, and we've got Shaniqua. Come on, we've got differences there. There's differences in people. It's different. Not only can you see the names, you can also see because food was an issue. Now, if this was only about Jewish people, then they could gather and eat their little kosher meal and everything would be okay. But something happened when Peter and Paul went into a town and they sat down and Priscilla dropped the plate of ribs on the table. We've got to have a meeting about this. Something's wrong. This ain't culture. This ain't what we're used to. It, it was an issue. The early church was messy. It's messy when you relate to people who have different backgrounds from you, who, who are different from you, who have different cultural upbringings to you. But what they recognize in the midst of all of that, they sat down, they dialogued, they had conversations, they learned from one another, and they refused to allow their differences to divide them. So let me tell you this, in case you don't know it. Difference is only flesh deep. It's only flesh deep. The things that make us different, once it passes our skin, we are all the same. Now, there are, there are some cultural differences, but, but I learned the cultural differences really have nothing to do with the color of our skin. It has more to do with the upbringing. Case in point, uh, Martin Brooks, one of our members, he just came back from a camping tour, a camping trip with he and his sons and grandsons and another friend of his. I was at a meeting at a restaurant, and his friend, whom I know as well, was going uh, on the camping trip. And he says, man, I'm really excited about camping. I said, man, that's pretty good. He says, man, you should go with us sometime. I said, eh, you know, I really don't know if camping's a brown thing to do. I just, just, just doesn't really seem like a brown thing. I don't, I don't think I can, you know, can do that. Like sleeping outside, bugs, bears, like, you know, Jamel, Don Torrio, Jamel, doesn't do bears, bugs, all those things. It's not, not really a brown thing, but God bless you. You guys have a good time. Uh, as I'm sitting there, one of the ladies that I'm meeting with, one of the managers of Cardinaltown, who happens to be a chocolate sister herself, says to the brother, hey, listen, um, I'll camp with you. And I'm like, what? Like, we, we don't do that. Like, is that something that we do? You're you breaking all laws, all, all laws. Yeah, we, we don't do it, but she, she loves it. She loves hiking, fishing, and all that. I don't know why you would hike. I don't understand it, why you climb up mountains voluntarily. All, all those things really doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you do that to yourself? And then you got to come down. Like, who, who spends money to do that, too? Like, it's not even cheap. Like, you, you got that just, just doesn't make sense to me. But, hey, it's a cultural thing. And I'm good with it. The differences, however, should not divide us. The Lewises, they hike weekly. Like, that's just, that's them. And it's okay. And I love them for being uniquely who they are. But because they're hikers, and for me, a good day is sitting in my basement or at least on my porch if I want to experience nature, not in the woods. That difference, that difference is something that we ought to celebrate. In the early church, man, you saw this. You saw this taking places. So many people from so many different places, they engaged one another, and it was okay. We ought to celebrate difference, especially ethnically, because what it does is it screams to the greatness and the brilliance of our creator. <laughs> that, that there, although there may be ethnic similarities, there's no one person who is the same. How great is our God? That he, he looked and he created each and every one of us differently. We like different things. We experience different things. We have different feelings and emotions and temperaments. How great and how creative is our God. We celebrate those things. We ought not let those things become a dividing barrier between us and humanity. So here's the thing. 
I'm talking about the early church. This is what took place as Paul was working his way through many of these towns and these nations and he was spreading the gospel and he created this multi-ethnic church. If Paul did this some 2,000 years ago, for the life of me, can you tell me why do we have a black church? Why do we have a white church, a Hispanic church? Why is there a conservative church or a liberal church? Why are there differences in our churches? The only thing that I can say that I can see according to what scripture or what the world is showing us is the difference is only this, that we have chosen to allow those things that Christ defeated to be the things to separate us. God gave us freedom to be united together, not divided by our faith. We ought not be the black church, the white church, the conservative, liberal church, Republican, Democratic church. We ought to simply be the church because he became our peace. Not so that we could create categories of difference, but so that we can may have solidarity through his sacrifice. Paul recognizes this as he shares again, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Check this out. Paul is speaking literally about a wall that existed outside the temple. There was this area, I've got a picture put up on the screen for me. There was this area that was called the Court of Gentiles. And at the Court of Gentiles, those who were believers, they could not pass by that wall that separated them. And the, it was the middle wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. There were signs on the wall, and the signs literally said these words. It is your own fault if you pass through these walls and get caught and lose your life. That if they passed by that wall and they were called and they were known as Gentiles, they would be killed because it was considered sinful. Can you imagine in a church? In a church, there was a place where people who believed in the one and only true God were not allowed to go and to engage him because of the color of their skin, because of their background. There were people who said, because of where you're from, you are not allowed to see our God. It's happened in our own world. It's happened in our very own country. Take, take in Philadelphia. Take in Philadelphia many years ago, about 100 or so years ago, you find a man who enters into this predominantly white uh, Methodist church, and he goes into the temple by himself, falls on his knees. He's praying deeply in prayer, weeping before the Lord. And because he was in a place that was deemed only for whites, they drug this man out, and they beat him, and they told him he was never to go inside the church again. And because of that, the African Methodist Episcopal Church was created, not because they wanted to be separated, because one people group said, you are not allowed to be here. This is not what God designed for his church. He desires for us all to come back. There is neither, according to Paul, grew nor, nor Greek, slave nor free, Scythian or elsewise. All are the same. All are equal. All are united in Christ Jesus. We are exactly the same. And my dream and hope for one church is this. Is that we would get this on the depths of our hearts. We would write this story, this gospel of Jesus Christ on our hearts. And we would be the missionaries to our city to let these people know that the dividing wall called Ninth Street should be torn down. And that we all should gather together celebrating how good our God is and ministering to the disadvantaged, the lost, and loving people regardless of where they are from. I believe that we could be the ones to teach how God desired, how he died 
as we were traveling, telling people, Matt and I, about what we were going to do, one man that I greatly, greatly, I, I value, I appreciate uh, much of what he teaches me. And when I told him about what we were trying to do, his exact words to me, because he believes in the what's called the homogenous church, churches of the same kind, you just simply draw the people who look like you. He says to me, I hear what you guys are saying. However, I don't want to see you mess up two good things trying to create that thing, and it may not be what God is saying to you. And I was so heartbroken because I was so excited about this, and, and I just knew that God had brought Matt and I together for a time such as this, and I couldn't understand it until finally something clicked in my spirit, and I said these words to him. There is no way that I can read the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no way that I can see the work that Jesus did on the cross. There's no way that I can read the Pauline epistles, and I can look at my brother who is from a different ethnicity than I. There's no way that I can do that and say that I cannot do this. No, what I cannot do is continue to live a home homogeneous lifestyle. What I must do is engage people who don't look like, think like, act like me, and vote like me. We've got to be diverse. I grew up, man, longing for, and if you ever, you ever talk to George, he'll tell you this, is we were, we, were, we were starting the Soul Center. George would always say in meetings, well, guys, you know, we, we, we were never supposed to be a black church. We we, we never wanted that end. We simply, we, we, we morphed into something that we didn't want. So we want something that more reflects the kingdom of God. We want to tear down this dividing wall of hostility. This is all scriptural. As Paul, Paul's talking about in chapters and verses 1 through 10, he's talking about the reconciliation between God and humanity. Then there must be a work between humanity and himself. If you read also in 2 Corinthians 5, you'll see this, that all this is from God. God who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled himself to us so that you and I would have spirit enough, testimony enough to recognize because God did, I then should do too. Because he reconciled himself to us when I consider the history of my nation. When I look at how the document that we behold to be so great, so wonderful, who says that all men were created equals, but also says that African Americans were only three-fifths of a human being. When I look at that foundation, he says that it is the church that should work together to defeat those myths, those stories, those lies, those sinful tales. It is us who ought to do this job. It is our job to do. He reconciled himself to us so that we do the work. And if we don't, according to the great Jewish rabbi who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King, he says, the only thing worse than hatred is indifference. And if we could ever live our lives where we're comfortable, and I understand it's easy to live that way. Things were easier not working toward this. But God didn't save us to be comfortable. He saved us so that we could carry on his mission, so that we could literally be the body of Christ who is concerned about diversity, who wants the world, the church, to look exactly the way that he died for it to look. And so I get caught up, man. I read, I read this scripture, man, multiple times a week, Revelation 
7 and 9. I think about the Apostle John as he is exiled on the Isle of Patmos and he pins these words and he says in his great revelation, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one can, can count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. Can you imagine this? John says that when he looked into heaven, when he saw this great multitude that no one could count, all he saw was people from everywhere. He saw chocolate, vanilla, caramel, mochiato. He saw, he saw Hispanics and Asians and whatever it may be. He saw them from everywhere, and they were all gathered before the throne in front of our God. Yeah. They were worshiping the lamb who was slain for our sins. When I see that picture... And when I think about how great that story is and how Jesus died, that we might be one. I can't live a comfortable life. I can't help but to think that we're supposed to be greater than homogeneity. That when I see you, regardless of where you're from, regardless of the color of your skin, you are my brother, you are my sister. We are one in Christ Jesus. Diversity is something that we value because this is part of, part of the prevailing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, therefore, we must die to ourselves so that we may reflect his kingdom on earth. Amen. 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 So, Paul, Paul says this work um, comes from God. All this is from God. That not only did he die so that we could be connected to Christ and to God himself, but he died so that we could be connected to one another. And so every week we gather, and if you don't know the intention behind the table and how we do it here, the table is there so that we can collide amongst one another. And that we, black and white, chocolate and vanilla, uh, a slave nor free Jew nor Gentile, that we can collide at the table with one common testimony. It was his body that was broken and his blood that was shed that we might all have life. So you gather at the table, we gather at the table to celebrate the prevailing work of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. And at the conclusion of the prayer, will you join all of us and meet at the table in the center and celebrate the work of God. Pray with me. Eternal God, we thank you so much. That you have torn down the dividing wall of hostility. And God, may we be challenged to do the same. May we not allow our differences to divide us, but may we celebrate our differences because it screams of the creativity of you, our great creator. God, marvelous are your works and you are worthy of praise. And thank you for your body that was broken. And Lord, thank you 
your blood that's been shed. That we are no longer separated from you. But we are now united because of the blood. And it's in your name we do pray. Amen. 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 Let us meet at the table.